being so good, for being so great, for being so kind. In spite of all of our wicked ways at times and in spite of the fact that we look past him often, we certainly, certainly thank him for his goodness. Amen. Amen. This morning, it's good to be with you. Why don't you turn with me in your Bibles or on your device to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Matthew, the 11th chapter. And as you do, I want to welcome you to this gathering of the church at Forest Baptist. I pray that the Lord has been your source of encouragement for this week, that in spite of all that is taking place that uh, you are excited to gather with the body of Christ here, though we're scattered, to worship and adore our Lord, our Master. Matthew, the 11th chapter, and again, as you turn, I'd just like to pause for a moment to thank all those who helped us with our, uh, to hand out some, thank, some 50 Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving meals to our members in the community on yesterday. Uh, we are in a partnership with the Joe Adele Foundation, um, and, and then over at Newburgh, they distribute uh, tons of meals out to the Newburgh community, and uh, they partner with us to, to give out specifically 50 meals. So I'd like to thank each and every person who, who served and helped in that effort on yesterday. Uh, Sister Diane Foray, uh, Sister uh, Deborah, Brother Larry Flewellen, Sister Wanda Green, uh, Brother Ken Watkins, uh, Brother Clarence Moody, Brother uh, Philip Graham, and I pray I didn't miss anyone, but uh, thank you so much for your sacrifice of time. Uh, and as we're on the, the, the topic of Thanksgiving, I just want to give you a word of encouragement to please, please, please be wise, be careful. I know you want to be with your family on Thanksgiving, um, but whether we want to be there or not, COVID is, is, is dangerous. Um, so just be, be wise. Just don't act like COVID ain't real because we see it is, and that's some of the reason why uh, some of the, the, the spikes we have taking place right now and why a lot of um, restrictions are going back in place. So please be careful this weekend. Um, but then also I'm excited to announce that even though we are in the midst of COVID, even though we're not meeting for in-person worship, we still have the opportunity to be generous, to be compassionate through our angel tree uh, donations that we do each year. So this year is going to be a little bit different, whereas this year, uh, we're not asking people to go specifically out to buy uh, clothes, to buy items. But uh, if, you, if you are able to, and, 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 and please sacrificially, we are asking that you would buy uh, gift cards to stores like Target, to stores like Walmart. And we still want to be a blessing to those families um, who just need a little bit of help during this Christmas season. So, uh, so please, for those details on the, uh, the Angel Tree process for this year, 
uh, go to our website at fbcnewburg.org slash angel dash tree. Uh, just go to our main webpage and you'll see all of the information you need. Uh, and, and if you are a family in need, you can sign up there as well. So make sure you check that out. Amen. Well, definitely in times of uncertainty, we got to be flexible. We have to uh, do, what, do whatever we can uh, just to uh, try to continue to be faithful in ministry to the Lord. And certainly if there for the, uh, these last past, what, nine months now, this certainly epitomizes a time of uncertainty. It's, it's a time of uncertainty of whether our restaurants are going to be open. It's a time of uncertainty of whether kids are going to be back, able to go back to school. It's, it's a time of uncertainty as far as uh, when will uh, the current administration recognize the election results. It, there's just so much uncertainty. So much uncertainty. So one of my uh, closest friends I grew up with uh, sent me a link last week to his Zoom wedding on yesterday. It was uncertain whether the, uh, the state officials would be open or what was going on, but um, they ended up just putting together a Zoom wedding, uh, and, and they did it on yesterday. So, so much uncertainty. But in the midst of all the uncertainty, Doubt in what God is doing is sure to creep in for anyone. You know, and that's okay. So I, I just want to encourage you this morning to continue to hold unto God's unchanging hand, his immutable hand, the God who doesn't change. He, he, he doesn't go to and fro depending on how the wind blows. God is a constant foundation, a constant friend in times of trouble. So in our text this morning, we'll see just how Jesus defeats doubt in troubling and uncertain times. Amen. So here in Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning with verse 1, and if you are able, even in your home, please stand with me and honor the reading of God's word. Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning with verse 1. Just six verses for your hearing this morning. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John and uh, tell John what you hear and see. The blind receives their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended. By me. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I just want to tag this text to speak, speak to you on the subject this morning. What to do when you doubt. What to do when you doubt. Let us go before the Lord in prayer this morning. 
Oh, gracious and eternal Father, how mighty and how excellent and how wonderful you are. And Lord, indeed, we pause right now to just say thank you, Lord. Thank you for all your goodness. Thank you for all your mercy. Thank you for all of your grace. Father, may we not move past having a heart filled with gratitude because of what you have already accomplished. Lord, so true are the words. If you do not do another thing for us, you've done enough already, oh God. You have been most gracious in sending forth your Son, Jesus the Christ, and filling us with your Holy Spirit. For those who have repented and trusted in you, Lord, we are changed. We have a new life. We have a new walk. We have a new talk. And all of that is because of you. Father, this week, thank you for allowing us to make it through another week's journey for how you care for, for your children. And Father, even now, in these hard and trying and difficult times, I ask that you would draw near to us with your unchanging hand. Remind us just who you are, your promises, that we can fully trust you and have confidence in you. Father, please forgive us for any in all of our sins right now in the name of Jesus, whatever may uh, hinder or keep us from drawing near to you right now, O oh God. Father, we ask that you will have your way in this worship service. Be glorified. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. And all of God's people said together, amen. Amen. So here in Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 1, uh, Matthew he now moves on from Jesus' commissioning service of his 12. Of the 12 disciples, as he was sending them out, and as we transition from this commissioning service, he brings about this, this character, and it's, it's like a blast from the past, even though that past is just back in Matthew, the third chapter. And once again, we encounter John the Baptist, or you can call him JB or just John, and we are looking at John the Baptist, his life at this moment, what's going on, and just how Jesus responds. From here on out, we're going to be seeing how individuals respond to Jesus being the Messiah, being the anointed one from heaven, the, the, the one who has brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. And right here, this is the John the Baptist, the one who was the, the forerunner of Jesus, the one who was preparing the way, the one who was the voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. This is the one who was proclaiming and declaring, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the one who wore the garment of camel's hair uh, and ate uh, his food was locust and wild honey, that John. This is the John who declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the same John who says, He must increase, but I must decrease. From those words, we would have a, uh, a mental picture of John being this strong, devout Christian, unshakable unfazed by what was going on, but in the text before us this morning, we get a different glimpse, a different perspective of, of what was going on in, in J.B.'s life. We get a different look at him, and in this 
picture. We see the weakness of his humanity on display for all to see. See, at this point in John's life and his journey with the Lord, he was imprisoned. He was in jail. He was jailed by Herod Antipas because John was speaking truth to power uh, when he declared that, Herod, you ain't got no business marrying your brother's wife. Herod was in sin, and John wasn't afraid to tell him so, but in speaking truth to power, he was placed into jail. So now he was in government custody, locked up, not free to roam around the wilderness proclaiming the news of the kingdom. And similar to his prophetic namesake, being that he is the Elijah of the Old Testament, uh, just as Elijah in 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, was in despair because of what, the, uh, what Jezebel had said to him, that she was going to kill him, uh, he, uh, even after doing a miraculous work for the Lord, found himself in despair in need of God to minister to him. In the same way, we find John in despair, needing a word from the Lord. Here in prison, John is in a place of helplessness. He couldn't just help himself. He couldn't just uh, pay his bill. He couldn't just walk out. He couldn't uh, rely upon a good public defender to make his case. Basically, what the king said, the king said. So now, he couldn't help himself. He was helpless. But not only was John in a helpless situation, John was in a place of confusion. He was confused because he thought that with the Messiah coming, everything would be changed and those wicked individuals in power would no longer have rule or reign over all that was going on. So he was confused as to exactly how Jesus was working. But then ultimately we see that John was in a place of discouragement. Even after he had given his complete life to the work of ministry, he still finds himself in a place where he doesn't want to be. And beloved, like John, the situations and circumstances of your life can bring you to a place of discouragement, a place of helplessness, and a place of confusion and ultimately and ultimately we see that John's confidence in Jesus has now been shaken his faith is shaken because of what's taking place and 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 I don't know where you are today I don't know what 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 particular circumstance you may be going through you you may be in a place of discouragement also Discouraged by what you're seeing taking place in the world. Discouraged by how you feel. Discouraged about your present situation. You may be in a place of helplessness. Helpless because in your own power, you can't change a thing that's going on. And you may be in a place of confusion thinking just because you are a faithful Christian that uh, bad things shouldn't happen to you. And, And you're confused as to what God may be doing because you thought He wouldn't bring you through this. But beloved, I just want to remind you and I just want to declare this morning that when doubt shakes the foundations of your faith, 
you must redirect your focus from your situation and unto the Savior. When doubt shakes the foundation of your faith, you must redirect your focus from your situation and unto the Savior. Our big idea for this morning is simply confidence in Jesus will defeat all doubt. Confidence in Jesus will will defeat all doubt. How does John get here to this moment? In verse 2, we see how John gets here. For the text says, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples. So as John is in jail, he's getting a report of everything that Jesus is is doing. All that he has been uh, uh, going about and and doing in the cities as he is going and teaching and preaching. John is receiving these reports, and, and, and what he's hearing is a little different than what he expected. The writer Matthew, he kind of tips his hand in this passage by, by, by just noting that John was hearing about the deeds of the Christ. He's tipping his hand to let us know that within this text and even in chapters going forward, there was, there's going to be this question of, uh, of who, uh, is Jesus really the Messiah? And if he is, how should we respond? And this becomes John's question. He is looking at Jesus' deeds, his actions, his work. And in, in verses, in chapters 5 through 7, we, we see Jesus' teaching ministry on display as he works, walks through the Sermon on the Mount. And in uh, chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew's gospel, we see his hand, his demonstrations of power in the miracles that he is doing. And in all of these deeds, John is thinking, wait a minute, I know he's preaching, I know he's teaching, and I know he's healing, but that's not quite what I expected. And John, just like every other Jew, had had a particular messianic expectation. In John's messianic expectation, uh, uh, there was this this understanding that that when the Messiah came, he will come immediately and establish his kingdom. He will overthrow all those who are oppressing God's people. He will take up on himself the, the title of king. He will establish his earthly kingdom, and then the people of God will be able to live in shalom, peace and harmony. But John's confused because he's in prison and he is not experiencing peace and harmony. The Jewish people expected some type of political deliverance, some type of material deliverance, but Jesus wasn't bringing that. He was bringing spiritual deliverance at this point. And beloved, as as John is thinking about what he expected Jesus to do, and Jesus is not doing it, his faith begins to be shaken by doubt. And he sends just a word to Jesus, are you the one? Or should we be looking for another? Are are you the Messiah? Or, 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 Or should we be looking for somebody else? And he's thinking to himself, Maybe Jesus ain't the person I thought he he was. Maybe Jesus is really not the disciple. Maybe I was wrong. 
think about John the Baptist. Even as we think about his ministry of power, this, wasn't, this wouldn't have been the first time where he begins to question Jesus. If you think back to, to Matthew, the third chapter, when Jesus comes to, to John and he says, you know what, uh, it's time for you to baptize me. And instead of being immediately obedient and, and, and understanding what Jesus is doing, he says, oh, whoa, Jesus, I, uh, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. It should be you baptizing me. But what does Jesus says? This needs to be done in order to fulfill all things. John didn't have the entire perspective that Jesus does. And in this situation, he doesn't have the entire perspective that Jesus does. And many times in our own lives, doubt and fear and anxiety and anger and frustration begins to creep in because we only see so much in front of us. But God is working, and, and he knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. And, 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 and when he is working, we must trust in him. But here we see that, that John, is, he's experiencing one of those why moments. Why am I in jail, Jesus, if, if I'm your servant? If you were really the Messiah, then why? If God is really God, then why? If God is really good, then why? And all those why questions begin to well up in his soul. This is John the Baptist, the, the one who was supernaturally told to go and preach this word. If his faith and confidence can be shaken, then sure enough, your faith and my faith can be shaken. And it's in the midst of this uncertainty in his life that the seeds of doubt began to take hold and to take root and to grow. From the text, it's, it, there, there's three realities in your life regarding doubt. Three realities. The first reality is, is that doubt tends to increase during difficult times in life. Doubt tends to increase during difficulties in life. It's not during those good days. It's not during those days when all your bills are paid, there's gas in your car, there's food in your refrigerator, the kids are behaving, your spouse is doing well, and, and your grandchildren are doing good in school. Folks bring home all A's and everything is going well. It's not during those times where doubt comes in. It's during those times where we just think we're blessed and highly favored, but it's during those difficult times where you begin to doubt, well, maybe God can't. Well, maybe God won't. Well, maybe this is what I'm stuck with. It is during difficult times of life when doubt begins to increase but then the second reality is about doubt is that it tends to increase when our expectations aren't met. We begin to doubt, especially we, we begin to doubt Jesus when he doesn't function as the Savior we want him to be. We begin to doubt Jesus when he doesn't save a child, when he doesn't deliver, when he, when he doesn't answer our prayers right away. All of a sudden, we forget about everything that 
God has already done for us, and we, and we take upon the, the posture uh, of that song from Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? And if Jesus hasn't done something marvelous for us lately, we forget, and doubt tends to begin to creep in our lives. Because we have a certain expectation of what Jesus should be doing as if we are God. But then thirdly, doubt tends to increase in our lives when we don't have the right perspective. When we don't realize that God is God and he knows what he is doing. When we don't have the, the, uh, that divine perspective, the perspective that's looking down over a whole situation and knows what's going on and is able to lay out the path. But because in our humanity, in our, in our finite condition, we, we, we don't know. So, so when Jesus is doing things in our life and we're saying, why? Jesus knows, he knows what he's doing. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. We may not understand and we show ain't in control. But because he is, we can trust him. And as John is in the pit of despair, as he's in the midst of discouragement, how does he respond? I think just by chance, there's two ways we can look at this. We can look at this as uh, John is reaching out for his only help. Or that he's going back to the source of his strength. Whatever way we look at it, the way John responds to doubt is the way that we should respond. We need to go back to the source and cry out to Jesus. We need to turn our attention back to Jesus and go to the source John goes to the source of his questions. Remember, it's Jesus' deeds that's causing him to question his, uh, and to doubt. So he goes to the source of his questions with his questions. And it's in this moment that Jesus begins to provide John with the ammunition to defeat his doubt. And that's the confidence that comes only through Christ Jesus. Look here in verses 3 through 5. He says, and said to him, are you the one who was to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Oh, glorious to have Jesus as your source. Instead of uh, going off on John's disciples or saying, uh, why are you acting so silly? Where's, why are you unbelieving? Jesus does not respond harshly at all to John's questions. He's not like, that's a stupid question. Don't ask me that. He responds to John's questions with great compassion as if he is the one who manifests grace and truth. 
in his answer, he manifests grace by, 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 by saying, John, I'm, I'm not going to go off. I'm going I'm I'm to draw you in because I know that, you, that, that, that you're struggling and, and I'm here for you. But even in that grace, I'm going to give you the truth. And what Jesus does in the next two verses, in verses 5 and 6, Jesus does four things to help John deal with his doubt. For us this morning, I believe that the Lord has, he has four focus-related keys to defeating doubt. Four keys. The first thing I see here in the text is, is the fact that confidence in Jesus is a matter of focus. Look at the text. Jesus says specifically, go and tell John what you hear and see. Jesus is like, John, you need to pause for a moment. And, 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 and you need to get your eyes off your circumstance and begin to look at what I'm actually doing. You need to pay attention and you need to open up your eyes and open up your ears to see exactly what I'm doing. Because if you was really paying attention, if you had the right focus, you would know that I am the Messiah. And beloved, how many times in our own lives when we're dealing with doubt, when we're dealing with anger, when we're dealing with frustration, if we can just get our eyes up off our navels and get our eyes looking up to Jesus and looking at what he is doing and how he is working, our circumstances would change completely. Though we may be in the same situation, our faith will be renewed when we refocus. So, John, you need to stop looking at the circumstance and start looking at me. But then secondly, Jesus wants him to understand that confidence in Jesus comes from focus on his divine power. The blind see, the lame walk, Lepers are healed. Jesus is talking about all those miraculous things that he has been performing as a demonstration of his divinity. His demonstrations of power were, were, uh, were key components in communicating who he was and why they should listen. When Jesus showed up and began to heal the lame and give sight to the blind and cast out demons and take two fish and five loaves and feed the 5,000. What he is doing, he says, I have supernatural authority over all of this creation because it belongs to me. What did the disciples say when Jesus stood up on the boat and said, peace, be still? He said, what manner of man is this? He's reporting to John, don't you see my power at work? When you really see my power at work, you can't help but say he's the Messiah. Beloved, think about God's power in your own life. If we could simply walk through Ephesians 2 and you were dead in your trespasses and sin, 
you weren't thinking about God, you weren't pursuing God, but God being rich in mercy. He, he reached out and he grabbed you out of darkness and, and draw, drew you into his marvelous light. Uh, his marvelous power was able to wake you up. His marvelous power was able to give you resurrection life. Oh, you've seen God's power in your life. When you look back over your life and you see all those demonstrations of power, how he healed you from disease, how you delivered you from circumstances, how he paid those bills, how he kept your children, how he, he woke you up this morning. When we just look back over our lives and think about all that God has done, his demonstration of power points to the fact that there is a God and his name is Jesus the Christ. blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the dead are able to get up. And beloved, and the poor have good news preached to them. We're all spiritually poor, bankrupt, but Jesus, by his sheer mercy and grace, has given us his word to preach the good news. Confidence in Jesus is a matter of focus. Confidence in Jesus comes from focus on his divine power. Then thirdly, confidence in Jesus comes from focus on his eternal word. Because Jesus' words in verse 5 right here, they're, they, they're, they're actually from the Old Testament. If you turn with me quickly to Isaiah, the 35th chapter. Isaiah, the 35th chapter. And look with me at verses 5 and 6. Jesus is quoting Old Testament scripture to point to the fact that there's going to be a day where those ransomed by the Lord will return to Zion. Hmm. He's saying, John, don't worry. Don't worry. I got you. And here in verse 5 and 6, he quotes Isaiah. He says, the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall uh, the, the mute sing for joy. He's talking about the time of renewal and refreshment because they have been replenished and redeemed by King Jesus. So, so he's pointing John back to his word. Look here, if you turn with me quickly over to Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus teaching in his city, shows up to the synagogue. Luke, the fourth chapter, walk with me, beginning with verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What Jesus is doing for John, he is saying the way that you defeat this doubt because of your disappointment is to look to my word. 
Because Jesus here in Luke 4, he is quoting from Isaiah 61. And he is telling John through his word that I am the Messiah. You don't have to keep looking. You don't have to keep asking. I have come. Confidence in Jesus comes from his eternal word. And then fourth and last, confidence in Jesus comes from focus on his ongoing presence. His ongoing presence. That's the meaning of this, uh, this sentence. The words that Jesus speaks here in verse 6. He says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So, so what is Jesus talking about? When he says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who I do not turn away. Blessed is the one that I, don't, I do not repulse. Uh, blessed is the one that, that turns toward me. And trust in me confidently. Blessed is the one who does not fall away. That there is nothing that Jesus can do that will, that will turn you away from him. What he's saying to John is that the, the, the way that you're going to defeat doubt is by not turning away from me, but turning towards, towards me and pressing into me. Doubt leads to division. Doubt wants to separate, but confidence draws near. Don't turn away from King Jesus when you doubt, but turn towards him in trust. And your confidence will be restored. We need to refocus. We need to we need to remember, we need to read this word, and we need to run towards Jesus. When dealing with doubt in your own life, you need to refocus. Where's your focus? Are you focused on the, uh, uh, the results of the election? Are you focused on the, uh, the news and the cases of COVID? Are, are, does that consume your focus? It's good to know what's going on, but, but Jesus is saying, don't let that stuff consume you. You need to hear and see what I'm doing in order to restore your confidence. When dealing with doubt, you need to remember your story. You need to remember what Jesus, uh, where, where Jesus found you and where he has brought you to. You have to remember that you're part of the used-to-be club, that God has worked in you so much where you can declare that I used to be X, Y, and Z, but God has brought me through. When dealing with doubt, you need to read his word and remind yourself of his promises that he would not leave and forsake, that he would be closer than a, uh, he would draw closer than a brother that he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. These are promises in his word, but we have to have his word treasured up in our hearts to keep us from falling into doubt. And then lastly, we need, when dealing with doubt, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus and not from him that you would experience his ongoing presence in your own life. Beloved, it's, it's so important to remember that during these times of uncertainty, you are not alone. You are not alone. 
you are not alone because your church family is here. You are not alone because the universal body of Christ is here. But, but specifically, you're not alone uh, because we know Jesus, he's with you. And the truth of the gospel reminds us that Jesus went through a period, just like us, of apparent uncertainty. And I say apparent because Jesus already knew what he was doing. When the soldiers came and uh, to pick up Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, things looked uncertain. When the religious leaders uh, falsely accused Jesus and marched him from courtroom to courtroom, things looked uncertain. When beaten and bloody by Roman soldiers and, uh, and as he traveled up the Via Della Rosa, things looked uncertain. As Jesus was laid out on that old rugged cross and nails were placed in his right hand and his left hand and nails were placed in his feet and he was hung high and stretched wide, things looked uncertain. And when Jesus was on the cross and uh, uh, he hung his head and died and they pierced him in the side, at that moment, things looked uncertain. When they placed the, the body of Jesus in a borrowed tomb on that Friday night, things looked uncertain when they rolled the stone in front of the tomb. But, but beloved, when we think of debilitating uncertainty, Jesus reminds us it's nothing but divine sovereignty. And, and when we, we, we read the story of the good news, we see that, that though Jesus was laying in that tomb all night Friday night, and, and, and when he was laying in that tomb all night Saturday night, it was early Sunday morning where divine sovereignty got up and took his authority in his hand, and what looked like an uncertain situation turned out to be a glorious revelation because at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God puts his stamp on his life and says, my son has fulfilled all things. Now all those who are in need of salvation come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he secured a salvation through his life, death, burial, and resurrection that we would not have to doubt. Though we may be in despair, though we may be discouraged, we do not have to doubt because we serve a risen Savior. Faith presses through all doubt just to get to Jesus. Beloved, have you been pressing through doubt? Not to, not to just get on the other side, but have you been pressing through doubt in order to get to Jesus? You can do that today by simply repenting of your sin. Say, Lord, please forgive me for doubting your power doubting your presence. Please come into my life and save me from my sin. Or maybe you're already a follower of Jesus Christ, but you've been caught up and your focus has been turned and you've become distracted. You just say, Lord, please forgive me and help me to faithfully follow you.
But at the end of the day, the only way to defeat doubt is to look to Jesus because confidence in Jesus defeats all doubt. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you for being so excellent and so marvelous. Thank you for how you instruct our hearts through your word. And today, oh God, I pray for the one who is discouraged, who is in a place of helplessness, who is in a place of confusion, who is just in a place of doubt because of all of the uncertainty. But Lord, we know, like that old children's song we used to sing, you've got the whole world in your hands. So because of this, Lord, we know we can trust you. We know that your sovereign rule is a good rule and is a righteous rule. And you will lead us where we need to be if we simply would trust in you. So, Father, please continue to have your way this day. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.